Hello! This is Chris, and for the next hour, I'll be reading from the February 27th to 29th issues of the Batavia Daily News on the Niagara Frontier Radio Reading Service. First, some news. George Borrello formally seeks re-election. Jamestown. State Senator George Borrello has officially announced he is seeking re-election to represent the 57th District. Representing my constituents in Western New York is a great privilege and one that I strive to honor by giving 110% every day, Borrello, Republican of Sunset Bay, said in a news release. Albany is dominated by New York City legislators and activists whose priorities and values are a world apart from ours. I've made it my mission to be a champion for our district and rural New Yorkers. Although statewide issues garner headlines, Borrello said, constituent service is a core priority. I am proud of the record my team and I have when it comes to helping our constituents, he said. We logged more than 2,000 constituent cases in 2023 alone, spanning a wide range of issues. Behind those figures are real folks who reached out for help with problems, some complex and others that were addressed through a phone call, he continued. But in a rural area like ours where services can be scarce, we recognize the vital importance of this assistance. Borello has represented the 57th District since winning a special election in 2019 and being re-elected in 2022. The district includes Genesee, Wyoming, Cattaraugus, and Chautauqua counties, along with a portion of Allegheny County. Mike Rapone named Notre Dame Principal, Batavia. Accepting the interim principal position at Notre Dame High School wasn't a tough decision for Mike Rapone. I have dedicated many years of service to the students of Notre Dame and always have a passion for helping them grow and mature into adults Notre Dame can be proud of, said the athletic director and retired assistant principal. In my brief retirement, what I have missed most was the daily interaction with young people full of energy and their future in front of them. Their zest for life kept me feeling younger than I am. Rapone, 70, was assistant principal at Notre Dame for 24 years. His appointment was announced over the weekend in a press release. Board of Trustees President James Sutherland did not address the reason for this appointment or the circumstances of former principal Melissa Lindner's departure. She had been named principal in May 2023. Sutherland said the board doesn't comment on personnel matters. Mr. Rapone needs no introduction to many, as his long history of leadership at Notre Dame spans several decades, the press release read. Mike is a proud Notre Dame alumnus, holds a BS from SUNY Brockport, and graduated magna cum laude with an MS in educational leadership and supervision from Canisius College. Sutherland said Rapone has been a legendary coach at Notre Dame since 1978. He is an outstanding educator, building leader, and dedicated champion of all values Notre Dame holds dear, Sutherland said in the release. Our students and staff are in very good hands under his experienced guidance. Sutherland said Rapone will be interim principal for the rest of the school year, at which time the board will start a search for a permanent principal. Qualified school administrators interested in applying for the position may email their resumes to trustees at ndhsbatavia.com. We will begin a search quickly, soon, he said, adding the board expects to have somebody in the principal position ready to take over after graduation. Rapone said his job will be to lead in all aspects of school management. As I have done throughout my time here, I will do whatever the board of trustees deems is in the best interest of Notre Dame, he said Monday. The interim principal does not plan to seek the permanent job. I will be 71 in April, and Notre Dame would be better served by a younger person who can lead them into the future, he said. Batavia City Council says flat tax rate not possible. Brian Quinn, Batavia. 
The City Council will have a $37 million budget with a two-cent tax rate increase to consider approving when it meets March 11th. The City rate would go up from $8.94 per $1,000 of assessed property value to $8.96 per $1,000. The proposed tax levy is at $6,710,000. We talked about the increases being mostly related to investments we're making out of reserve funds, City Manager Rachel Tabelski said at this week's City Council conference session. Our operational spending isn't going up extravagantly. We do have projects we requested from Council to use reserve funds to undertake. While the proposed budget is $37,061,280, the total water fund budget is at $6.6 million. We have a water plant and we have water distribution here in the city, she said. This is a $750,000 increase from last year, mainly due to increases of price in chemicals, inflation, and those capital purchases we're using reserves for. Tobelski noted the water rate will go up 19 cents from $6.27 per 1,000 gallons of water used to $6.46 per 1,000 gallons. The meter fee will go up $7 annually. We discussed at length the need to replace 4,000 meters. Unfortunately, we were not awarded a grant for the second time in a row, she said. We do have to continue to replace them between 15 and 30 per year. Hopefully, in the next 30 years, we'll get through all of our water meter replacement. We will still continue to seek grants. Earlier, during the public hearing on the proposed budget, council member at large Bob Bielkowski said he wants people to know that what they have to say is important. He said hearing from the public is what gives the city council full insight on what's going on in the community, what the public wants, what it doesn't want. We work for the public. The chain of command is the public, us, and the administration, he said. I love hearing from the public. It really helps in the decision-making. For 2024-25, Bielkowski said he would still like to see a budget with no tax rate increase. The county's actually reduced theirs for the coming year. I was hoping we could do something similar, he said. Bielkowski was the only person to speak during the public hearing on the proposed budget. During the second public hearing Monday, Stafford resident Frank Lance approached the podium. Lance said he had a couple of rental properties in the city. The one rental I'm working at, I get a quarterly bill for $36.37. I'm not using any water at all, he said. The other problem I have is the apartments that I do have, the water usage is metered. The sewer usage is metered. How does that work with the same meter? Council President Eugene Jankowski Jr. said the city could get someone to give Lance an explanation, not at the meeting, but by making contact with him later on. Lance asked about the two-cent increase in the city tax rate. It's like if nobody's here to speak on that, it's very easy to get the two cents, the Stafford resident said. Lance asked what would happen the next time the city council prepares a budget and comes up with a tax rate. It's like, you know, we went through that. We didn't have any complaints. Not a lot of people were interested. Let's make it a nickel. Or that's something we can go back to all the time, he said. It's like if people don't come out and speak about it, nothing changes. Everybody's just fat, dumb, and happy. Jankowski said he would rather see a budget with no tax rate increase. We look at our core services and we look at the expenses to maintain those services. Then we come up with a tax levy based on our other incomes and our other grants and our other sources of revenue, he said. We do the best we can. Jankowski said the year the county sold its nursing home and it came on the tax rolls, the city lowered its tax rate because the sale made a big difference in the tax levy. We try to keep it as low as possible based on the need, he said. It's not just two cents. Last year was zero. Now we can't maintain that with all the increases. We have to do something. I'm not for laying off any police or firemen or public works people at this point. We are at bare bones as it is. 
Councilmember David Twitchell said members of the council live in the city and most are on fixed incomes. Jankowski said keeping tax rates as low as possible is something that impacts the council as well. I don't want a higher tax rate either, he said. Obituaries. Tuesday, February 27th. Mark Saunders, 84, of Perry. Craig K. Bauer, 69, of Leroy. Robert D. Kessler, 79, of Verysburg. Terry Warders, 67, of Lyons and Pavilion. Wednesday, February 28th. Shannon Lynn Harkins, 44, of Wyoming. Laura Jane Ireland, 96, of Perry. Thursday, February 29th. Naomi F. Grice, 95, of West Batavia. Paul David Miller, 76, of Phoenix, formerly of South Byron. Some upcoming events. Go Health offers diabetes program, Medina. The Orleans County Health Department will be hosting its Lifestyle Change Program starting March 20th. The program will take place 1 to 2 p.m. at the Lee Whedon Memorial Library on 620 West Avenue. Those interested may register at https colon slash slash www.surveymonkey.com slash r slash ndpporleans2024. They may also email ndpp at orleanscountyny.gov or call 585-589-3162. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, there are 29.7 million people 18 and older with prediabetes, stated Public Health Director Paul Pettit of the Genesee and Orleans County Health Departments in a news release. Of the 38.4 million people who have diabetes, 8.7 million are undiagnosed. The Lifestyle Change Program helps those who are at risk or have been diagnosed with prediabetes to take charge over their lives, he continued. According to the New York State Department of Health Behavior Risk Factor Surveillance System 2021 report, Genesee County has 13.4% of adults and Orleans County has 11.4% of adults diagnosed with prediabetes. Taking one hour a week, a total of 26 hours over the span of a year, will help individuals take control over their health, officials said. For many, many, it removes the risk of prediabetes. For some, it delays the onset of type 2 diabetes. Those who follow the program can lower the risk of developing type 2 diabetes by as much as 58% or 71% if over the age of 60, according to the CDC. The class is the first series of the Lifestyle Change course that will be offered. For more information, visit GoHealthNY.org. Batavia Church to host Mindful Monday. A Mindful Monday will be hosted March 4th at Batavia First Presbyterian Church. Those interested can renew their spirit and rejuvenate their bodies through a time of gentle movement, calming practices, quiet reflection on scripture, or walking a labyrinth. The session takes place 6.30 to 7.30, March 4th, at the church on 300 North Main Street. Call 585-343-0505 or email fpcbatavia.com at fpcbatavia.org for more information. Sea Serpent Taking Shape in Perry, Matt Sertel, Perry. 
A new autumn event is stepping in to fill the gap left by the Letchworth Arts and Crafts Show. The Sea Serpent Arts and Crafts Show was announced Monday. It's being organized jointly by the Perry Rotary Club and Perry Fire Department. The event will be conducted 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. daily, October 12th and 13th, on the Fire Department's grounds at Perry Village Park. Artisans' booths will be located throughout the grounds, which offer a beautiful sheltered area for both visitors and artisans, organizers said in a news release. The event will include various food vendors that have been selected for their quality and delicious, unique food offerings. Music will be provided by local well-known music groups for visitors' enjoyment. The Letchworth Arts and Crafts Show moved to the Village Park in 2021, but it was placed on pause this past January as organizers worked to reimagine the event. The new show is being organized independently of the ACWC. Organizers said all proceeds will go back to the communities they serve. Perry Rotary Club celebrates its 100th birthday this year and during this time has implemented hundreds of projects to benefit the community, the organizers said. Rotary members join with community volunteers to advance the strength and well-being of their communities as they stand dedicated to their motto, Service Above Self. The Perry Rotary Club provides direct monetary support to area school districts including scholarships, enrichment, grants, and arts initiatives in concert with the ACWC, organizers said. The Perry Fire Department's service to the community is obvious and well-known. Its volunteers respond to fires, vehicular accidents, and other emergencies. Its members also provide public safety education throughout the greater community. Additional information about the Silver Lake Sea Serpent Arts and Crafts Show will be made available over the next several months, organizers said. Online and social media resources will be available soon. The status of the Letchworth Arts and Crafts Show remains unclear. Officials did not immediately return an email seeking comment Monday. Retired Teachers Group offers grants. Batavia. Teachers in Genesee County are eligible for a series of grants from the Retired Educators of New York slash Western Zone. The four competitive grants are open to teachers handling classes from kindergarten to high school seniors. Public, private, and parochial school teachers are eligible. Grants will be awarded in one of two categories. A uniquely creative classroom-related project in which a teacher or team of teachers submits a proposal for an activity designed to enhance and support student learning in a particular subject or two or more related subject areas. A cultural presentation for which a teacher, teachers, or department describe a planned activity involving student participation. The grants are each worth $750. Any proposed project or activity is to be planned for the 2024-25 academic year. Grant applications must be submitted by March 29th. Winners will be announced May 1st. Area superintendents were sent letters with more information about the grants. Interagency Group offers scholarship, Batavia. A $1,000 scholarship is being offered through the Genesee County Interagency Council. The scholarship is open to Genesee County residents attending high school or being homeschooled within the county. They must be enrolling in a junior college or university. Genesee Community College students who are remaining at GCC are transferring to a four-year university. Applicants must be majoring in human services, social work, alcohol and substance abuse studies, sociology, or psychology. The scholarship aims to support students with a strong drive to contribute to the human services field, organizers said. Special consideration will be given to students in good academic standing who have already demonstrated a commitment through their employment, volunteer, academic, or extracurricular pursuits. Applications must be received by May 3rd. Recipients will be notified by phone June 3rd. Call Scholarship Chair Carrie Heideman at 716-550-0934 for applications and more information.
Orleans giving out 25,000 solar eclipse glasses, Albion. The Orleans County Department of Tourism announced that the county will make solar eclipse glasses available to the public at no charge starting Friday. The county has 25,000 solar eclipse glasses to distribute. The solar eclipse will pass over Orleans County on April 8th. I know many residents are looking forward to the total solar eclipse, and we want to make sure our residents can view this extraordinary event safely, said Don Borchert, director of Orleans County Tourism. We have locations for distribution spread across the county, so I encourage those interested in getting glasses to do so while supplies last. Borchert said the distribution will take place through the county's four libraries located in Medina, Albion, Lindenville, and Holly, along with the Kendall Town Hall during normal business hours. These are Orleans County branded eclipse glasses that are ISO certified and are safe for direct solar viewing of the eclipse. Families can visit these locations and pick up glasses for the number of family members they have in their households. The eclipse will happen April 8th and will start at 2.06 p.m. in our area and will last until 4.34 p.m. The prime viewing time will be 3.19 to 3.23 p.m. Dawn Borchard and her team have been promoting this for the last year and have information available for both residents and visitors on the different events that will be taking place throughout the weekend leading up to the eclipse, said Lynn Johnson, chair of the Orleans County Legislature. The legislature is very appreciative of our tourism department's efforts, including organizing the distribution of the eclipse glasses. For more information on the eclipse, visit https colon slash slash www.orleanscountytourism.com slash events slash solar hyphen eclipse hyphen 2024. Wyoming County sets rabies vaccine clinic, Rock Glen. A rabies clinic will be conducted March 16th by the Wyoming County Health Department. The clinic will take place 9 to 11 a.m. at the County Highway Department on 4328 Route 19. Registration closes at 1045 a.m. Each dog, cat, and ferret must be leashed or crated and accompanied by a person who can control it. Those interested can also pre-register at www.wyomingco.net slash activities. The clinic is free to Wyoming County residents, but donations will be accepted to offset clinic costs. A mandatory $10 fee per animal will be collected for out-of-county residents. Masonic Temple Plans Breakfast Buffet, Warsaw. A breakfast buffet will be offered Sunday at the Warsaw Masonic Temple. The buffet will take place 8 to 11 a.m. at the Temple on 75 South Main Street. Cost is $10 for adults and $5 for children less than 10 years old. All tapped-out maple syrup will also be available for purchase. Tenney announces grant opportunities, Batavia. Area leaders in the GLOW region and beyond are invited to sign up for updates for fiscal year 2025 community project funding. This process was announced Tuesday by Congresswoman Claudia Tenney, Republican of Cleveland. It's described as an important initiative for members of Congress to advocate for crucial projects to enhance communities. Instead of relying on bureaucrats to make critical funding decisions, the process provides transparency, accountability, and rigorous oversight with congressional input. The fiscal year 25 CPF project process will allow localities and nonprofits to submit requests for federal funding for high-priority community projects in New York's 24th District. All CPF applications supported by Tenney's office must meet rigorous eligibility requirements as outlined in the appropriations guidance. Applicants must exhibit robust community backing for projects and present a clear strategy using the funds in a timely manner, Tenney's office said. 
Her office collaborates with all grantees throughout the process to vet requests and ensure allocated funds are utilized responsibly and for their intended purpose. The CPF process is targeted and limited. It has historically been capped at 0.5% of federal spending. Area elected officials and nonprofits planning on submitting applications for projects are advised to visit Tenney's website to signal their interest. After signing up, interested organizations will be updated when guidance for the fiscal year 25 CPF process is released and the formal application window opens. The 25th Congressional District includes Genesee, Livingston, and Wyoming counties and a portion of Orleans County. You are listening to a reading of articles and features from the Batavia Daily News on the Niagara Frontier Radio Reading Service. Crime. Rich gets prison in fatal crash. Ben Beagle, Buffalo. A Darien man who previously admitted to driving drunk and causing a crash that killed a 10-year-old boy in Lancaster was sentenced Friday to 4 to 12 years in state prison during an appearance before State Supreme Court Justice Paul B. Wojtasek. Nicholas M. Rich, 35, had pleaded guilty November 27, 2023, to one count of aggravated vehicular homicide, a Class B felony punishable by up to 25 years in state prison. He was sentenced to prison and had his license revoked, according to Erie County District Attorney John J. Flynn. Rich was also ordered to pay $300 in court fees. Rich was driving recklessly and at a high rate of speed while under the influence of alcohol about 8.40 p.m. on October 13, 2023, when he caused a collision with another vehicle at Broadway and Schwartz Roads in the town of Lancaster, Flynn said. The crash fatally injured Levi Zelonka of Alden, a student at St. Joseph Regional School in Batavia. Levi later died at St. Joseph's campus of Sisters of Charity Hospital in Chictawaga, Flynn said. The driver and one passenger of the vehicle were injured and taken to Erie County Medical Center. Rich was also taken to ECMC with injuries. The investigation revealed that Rich was drunk at the time of the crash. Flynn, the district attorney, confirmed Rich had a blood alcohol content of 0.47% reports the Buffalo News. A person is considered legally drunk in New York with a blood alcohol content of 0.08% or more, according to state penal law. Levi was remembered by St. Joseph's staff for his popularity and sense of faith. At sentencing, Levi's mother said her son was a bright light taken from her that night. She described him as a compassionate and kind kid who loved his siblings and football and asked the judge to keep Rich in prison as long as possible, according to a report from WIV BTV Channel 4 in Buffalo. Wojtasek, the judge, said the plea deal had agreed to a maximum sentence of 10 years, but after hearing about the case and the victim's impact statement, he did not think that was high enough time. The judge then added two years to the sentence, according to WIVB. Before hearing his plea, Rich told the court he had a child of his own and that he had messed up that night. He also said he was sorry, the WIVB report said. The case was prosecuted by Assistant District Attorney Bethany A. Solick and Chief Paul J. Glascott of the Vehicular Crimes Bureau. Flynn commended Detective Lieutenant Sean Dimino and the Lancaster Police Department Accident Investigation Unit for their work in the investigation of the collision. Castile man guilty in child porn case, Matt Sertel, Warsaw. A Castile man has pleaded guilty to multiple child pornography charges. William E. Wallace, 72, pleaded guilty Friday to nine counts of promoting a sexual performance by a child and three counts of possessing a sexual performance by a child. Wallace admitted in Wyoming County Court that he knowingly possessed materials involving sexual conduct 
by a child less than 16 years old, First Assistant District Attorney Vincent Hemmings said. Wallace also admitted he promoted a performance which included sexual conduct by a child less than 17 years of age on multiple occasions in 2022 and 2023. There has been no sentencing commitment by the court, Hemmings said. Wallace faces a maximum sentence of seven years on each of the promotion charges, along with up to four years for each of the possession charges. Sentencing has been set for May 20th. State police executed a search warrant this past September 10th at Wallace's residence after an investigation. He was indicted the following month. Blotter, Warsaw. A level two sex offender was arrested and charged with violating terms of the state sex offender registry, Wyoming County Sheriff's deputy said. Elijah E. Albano, 43, formerly of Bennington, now living in Buffalo, was charged with failing to register a new address and failing to appear at the Sheriff's Department for an updated photograph. Albano has a 2009 criminal sexual act conviction involving a 15-year-old. He is to appear at a later date in town court. Leroy, Elijah G. Schultz, 29, of Mill Street, was charged with DWI after he was stopped on Bank Street, Genesee County Sheriff's deputy said. He also was charged with open container, no inspection, and unlicensed operation. Byron, Gregory G. Goodberlet, 66, of Lyman Road, was charged with DWI after deputies were called to his house for a welfare check February 19th. He also was charged with felony aggravated unlicensed operation, misdemeanor AUO, unlicensed operation, and moving from a lane unsafely. Perry, Michael Birch, 26, was charged with endangering the welfare of a child for allegedly allowing his five-year-old son to inhale a vape device, village police said. He is to appear March 12th in village court. Batavia, Madeline A. Morrison, 25, of Wood Street, was charged with DWI after she was stopped at 2.30 a.m. Saturday on Route 33, Genesee County Sheriff's deputy said. She also was charged with suspended registration and drinking, smoking cannabis in a car. New photos show Warsaw murder suspect, Matt Sertel, Warsaw. Additional photos of a village man wanted for murder have been released by the Wyoming County Sheriff's Office. The photos were posted Tuesday on the Sheriff's Office Facebook page. They show Michael H. Belair, 41, and the gray 2012 Toyota Corolla he was last known to be driving. An arrest warrant has been signed, and we are now asking the public to help us bring this individual to justice, deputies said in the post. Let's share this post all the way to South America and bring the victim's family the closure they deserve. Belair, 41, is accused of strangling his roommate, Cheryl Cook, to death on November 2nd. He then allegedly stole her car and credit cards before fleeing to Mexico. Cook's body was discovered five days later by Warsaw Village Police when they entered her apartment to conduct a welfare check. A preliminary autopsy ruled she had been strangled. Belair was last seen November 5th crossing into Mexico from California in Cook's car. Village police are working with Mexican law enforcement and Interpol in an ongoing effort to find him. Belair has been charged with second-degree murder, first-degree strangulation, tampering with evidence, and two counts of fourth-degree grand larceny. Belair's not believed to be in New York State. Those who see him or have information about the case are asked to call Village Police at 585-786-2000. Besides Village Police, the Sheriff's Office, New York State Police, County District Attorney's Office, and the Federal Department of Homeland Security assisted the investigation. Coniglio gets 12 years in attempted murder, Scott DeSmit, Batavia. 
A Tonawanda Seneca Nation resident who attempted to withdraw his guilty plea to attempted murder was sentenced to a 12-year state prison term last week in Genesee County Court. Jared C. Coniglio, 30, already is serving a state prison term for assault and will serve the new term concurrently with his present five-year term, Judge Melissa Lightcap Cianfrini ordered. Coniglio pleaded guilty in May to attempted second-degree murder for repeatedly stabbing another person in April 2022. He attempted to withdraw his guilty plea, with his attorney claiming that the victim was no longer cooperating with the district attorney's office and that his plea was fraudulently or mistakenly induced by the prosecution. Cianfrini denied the motion to withdraw the plea in a ruling issued February 5th. Coniglio was sentenced Friday. The stabbing happened as Coniglio was free with two pending indictments against him. One of those indictments was the result of a beer bottle attack on another man in July 2021. Coniglio and his brother Justice C. Coniglio, 33, also were charged with assaulting a police officer during the arrest. Justice Coniglio was sentenced to a 6-12 to year state prison term for the assault and other convictions. Jarrett Coniglio was sentenced to 5 years, 7 months, and 10 days to 6 years and 4 months. High-speed chase reveals drugs. Scott DeSmit, Batavia. A Rochester man who already has served four state prison terms for dealing drugs was arrested and jailed after he was found with large quantities of narcotics after a high-speed chase early Sunday morning, Genesee County Sheriff's deputy said. Chad W. Burgess, 37, was driving on Lewiston Road shortly before 2 a.m. when he was stopped for traffic violations. He sped away, leading deputies and state police on a pursuit that ended on Park Road. A search of Burgess and his car allegedly revealed large quantities of methamphetamine and other drugs, along with drug paraphernalia. Burgess was charged with second-degree criminal possession of a controlled substance with intent to sell, two counts of third-degree possession, three counts of fifth-degree possession, two counts of concealing, altering, or destroying physical evidence, criminal use of drug paraphernalia, and third-degree unlawful fleeing a police officer. Burgess was arraigned and committed to Genesee County Jail without bail. The second-degree possession charge is one of the most serious felonies under state penal law, and Burgess could face a potential life-in-prison sentence if convicted because of his long criminal history. He served four state prison terms since 2006, all for dealing drugs in the Rochester area. He was released from his last term in December 2022. Nunday man charged in underwear theft. Daily News staff, Nunday. A Nunday man is facing a pair of felonies after allegedly stealing women's underwear from a residence in the village, according to the Livingston County Sheriff's Office. Charles Provorce Jr., 34, was charged with second-degree burglary as a sexually motivated felony, felony tampering with physical evidence, and making a punishable false written statement. The charges stem from an investigation begun February 2nd into an alleged burglary at a village residence. Sheriff's investigators alleged that Provorce entered the residence and stole underwear that belonged to the two female victims. It was further alleged that Provorce entered the residence with the intent of stealing the undergarments for his own direct sexual gratification and pleasure, the sheriff's office said. The latter allegation led to the burglary charge being made a sexually motivated felony, which carries a harsher sentence and upon conviction would require the individual to register as a sex offender with New York State, according to state penal law. 
Provorce was arrested February 15th and turned over to central booking deputies. The district attorney's office requested bail of $25,000 cash or $100,000 secured bond. Provorce was later arraigned at Livingston County Centralized Arraignment Part at Livingston County Jail before Town of York Justice Daniel Cook, who remanded Provorce to the custody of the sheriff on the requested bail. The Livingston County Public Defender's Office represented Provorce at his arraignment. The district attorney's office also appeared at the arraignment. Handling the investigation for the sheriff's office were investigators Connor Sanford and Ross Gerace. Blotter, Burgeon. Michael L. Harris, 55, of Rochester, was charged with DWI after he was stopped at 1.19 a.m. Sunday on Route 33, Genesee County Sheriff's deputy said. He also was charged with moving from a lane unsafely and failure to keep right. Batavia, Cody A. Bush, Sr., 38, of Columbia Avenue, was charged with aggravated harassment for threatening a person over the phone, Genesee County Sheriff's deputy said. He is to appear at a later date in town court. Shelby, Gabriel J. Schilt, 22, of Medina, was charged with DWI after he was stopped on South Gravel Road, state police said. He is to appear at a later date in town court. Pembroke, Tyler J. Cornelius, 31, of Pembroke, was charged with endangering the welfare of a child and reckless endangerment of property after an investigation into a domestic dispute, state police said. He is to appear at a later date in town court. Bennington, Thomas M. Kolarczyk, 63, of Darien, was charged with DWI after he was stopped at 9 p.m. February 21st, state police said. He is to appear at a later date in town court. Warsaw, Dawn M. Mazurik, 57, of Attica, was charged with DWI after she was stopped at 2.51 p.m. February 22nd, state police said. She is to appear at a later date in town court. You are listening to a reading of articles and features from the Batavia Daily News on the Niagara Frontier Radio Reading Service. A Great February. Brian Quinn, Batavia. Those who walked Main Street in search of the 20-plus stops may not have had the same favorite beer, but there were enough people at Saturday's February beer walk to make it a success. After the first hour to an hour and a half, Madison Mitchell and Paige Hameister, both of Batavia, had been to about half a dozen places along Main Street. Hameister said Eli Fish Brewing Company was her favorite because of the beer it makes. Most of the stops have had Eli beer, so that's nice, she said. Mitchell, walking along Main Street with Hameister, said, I don't really have a favorite. I'm not a huge beer drinker. I'm tagging along and having fun. The two of them were on their way to Romans and the Wine Goddess shop during what remained of the beer walk. Lifelong Batavia resident Mike Taggart was walking along Main Street in front of Eli Fish. It's definitely a regular occurrence for me to take in a good beer that is offered at the beer walk, he said. By not quite 5.30 p.m. Saturday, he had been to several stops and said his favorite beer was Hayburner IPA, being served at the Main Street 56 Theater. It's early. There's still a lot of places to go, he said. I've got to get my money's worth, and it's beautiful in downtown Batavia today. No snow. Everybody should come and enjoy downtown Batavia with beer in the middle of February. It's a great time. Lauren Beck, a bid volunteer for the beer walk, said right at 4 p.m., people were at the door of Hunt Real Estate ERA. They were ready to get for sure. We had people right at 4 o'clock. It's a good mix here, Beck said. She was out in front of Hunt pouring hard cider. She said Vivify Hydration Lounge and Metaspa on Main Street was inside serving B12 and vitamin D shots. The hard cider has been a favorite, Beck said. I know this is a beer walk, but it's fun to have it mixed up and have a hard cider here and there, she said. People come in and they say, oh, thank God, a hard cider. There's a lot of excitement. People love Clarksburg Cider of Lancaster. 
Down further on Main Street, volunteers Jeff and Darla Allen were serving Rohrbach Brewing Company's Scotch Ale and Irish Ale. People are opting for the Irish Ale, probably because it's limited. It's seasonal, he said. The Allens were volunteering for their fourth year with the February Beer Walk. We just enjoy helping the community, Jeff Allen said. There's quite a few attendees that we recognize, Darla Allen said. They're sold out. Adam Burnett, the brewer for Eli Fish, said the restaurant doesn't brew specifically for events, but has a new beer every week to get people to return. Specifically, we check the lineup of the beers available and we pick the beer that would be different from the others, he said. There were no other sours that were going to be here at any location. We grabbed a sour for here and a sour over to Eden Cafe, then we'd have more variety. We brought a lager over to My Cuts Barbershop. Burnett said he would wait until not long before the event and ask Bid what kind of beer it needs. Then I want to make sure I can cover all the categories to make sure we have a wide variety of things to try around here, Burnett said. Battle of the Badges scores high. Brian Quinn, Batavia. There is $2,660 in new funding for the David M. McCarthy Memorial Foundation to use to support local athletes, programs, and leagues following Sunday's Battle of the Badges. The city police picked up their second straight win, 11-4, against the city firefighters while helping to raise money for the foundation. Nearly 600 people, 598, showed up Sunday night at the David M. McCarthy Memorial Ice Arena, said Mark Witt, general manager of Can USA Sports. It's a great event because it's a great example of the community. The first responders and the local nonprofit coming together, Witt said. The tickets, sponsorships, and the 50-50, that was the amount we raised. Memorial Foundation President Brian McCarthy said police and fire came to the foundation last year and asked if it wanted to be involved in the event. Last year was a phenomenal event, and they came to us again and said we'd like to do it again for our foundation this year, McCarthy said. Here we are, excited for another event. I know these guys have a lot of family and friends supporting them, and it's such an awesome cause. McCarthy said the game gave residents the chance to support not only the foundation, but the police and fire departments, who are doing amazing things for the community. It's just an honor to be part of it, he said. McCarthy jokingly mentioned a photo used to promote Sunday's game of him as a referee keeping two players apart after some fisticuffs. It got very serious very quickly, he said with a smile of the start of of last year's game. I made sure I was the first one to this year's planning meeting to make my point of get real referees because we're not doing it. All kidding aside, it was fun last year. The teams brought the passion, McCarthy said. During Sunday's game, McCarthy was among those selling raffle tickets and getting the crowd into the game. Police Department Detective James DeFreeze said with a laugh before the game, there's some friendly banter back and forth, but at the end of the day, both departments get along very well. We respect each other, we work well together, and we both want to win. DeFreeze admitted there was a scuffle during last year's charity effort, but said he didn't think there would be anything like that this year. I think it would be friendly for the most part, he said, while sitting on his team's bench before the pregame introductions began. Felicia DeGroote was one of the new players on the police team this year, and some new hires were on the roster. Ricky Mesmer, Matthew Smith, Chance Hudson, DeFries said. Besides that, it's the same squad, he said. Witt and members of the foundation did the work to organize the game, DeFries said. We reap the benefit, he said. This year, they did a majority of ticket sales online, so I'm not sure what the sales are, but the stands are filling up pretty quick. Firefighter Matt Morasco said there were some new faces on this year's firefighters team. We had some new hires that got into hockey and even some of our older guys who picked it up last year, he said. They're coming out and helping us out this year. Most of the players are from the city of Batavia, Morasco said. There was also a town of Batavia firefighter, Rochester firefighter, and a Buffalo airport firefighter. I think we're going to be competitive, but we're going to have fun with it, he said. We're just looking to get some fans out here and raise some money for the David M. McCarthy Memorial Foundation. We're looking forward to a fun 
evening. It looks like we've already got a lot of people in the stands. This is the second year we're doing it. Hopefully, we can keep it rolling. Witt said CanUSA, which owns and manages the Batavia Muck Dogs, is looking forward to holding the softball battle of the Badges fundraising game this summer at Dwyer Stadium. We're going to pick out a local charity, he said. Possible owner, Iso Lacey's. Brian Quinn, Batavia. It's too early to discuss the menu or any other specifics regarding the potential reopening of Olacy's Irish Pub, but there may be a formal purchase next month. We hope to be closing in on it in about the next couple of weeks, potential owner Derek Gieb said Monday. The Batavia businessman said he could not comment further until the sale of Olacy's is final. Owner Roger Cristiano closed the popular pub and restaurant in mid-November due to family health concerns. The city received notice that a TD Irish Corp is applying to the state for an on-premises liquor license for Olacy's, 5 School Street. Kent Ewell currently owns the building. Cristiano owned Olacy's from July 2022 to November 2023. The pub and restaurant had been open for 26 years, mostly under the ownership of Ewell, who opened it April 15, 1997. It marked its 25th anniversary in April 2022 and had been an area favorite over the years. Crossroads hires Ford as executive director. Brian Quinn, Batavia. Tracy Ford of Leroy will become the new leader of Crossroads House, Crossroads announced Monday on its Facebook page. We are pleased to announce that after a very intentional and thorough search aided by a selection committee consisting of several community leaders and one of our very own volunteers, we have hired a new executive director to lead Crossroads House as we head into our second quarter century providing premier comfort care to our residents, Crossroads 11 Liberty Street said in a Facebook post. Tracy Ford stood out from the pool of excellent candidates, and she will take the helm on March 4th. Ford is currently Director of Placement and Marketing at Leroy Village Green Residential Healthcare Facility. Board of Directors President Tom Finn said the board took a different approach to the search process, putting together an interview committee. We had multiple applications sent to us and resumes. We actually wanted the viewpoint of people who have worked in the community and worked with businesses, started businesses, built things in the community, he said. We had a volunteer committee of business people from Batavia, chose the top applications, and interviewed those candidates. They interviewed who they thought were the top candidates and recommended the top two to the board. The board of directors then interviewed the top two candidates. The other top candidate was also someone from the Glow region, he said. Tracy came out on top with strategic planning. Her fundraising experience, her contacts within the community in the business world, her basic understanding of organization, she presented with a very professional presence, Finn said. What other skills does Ford bring to the new job? Number one, her ability to really focus a team on a goal and her vast experience in the fundraising arena. We have no other source of income other than memorials or from fundraising, he said. The search began in early January. Finn said he and former interim supervisor Tom Stabell sat in on the interviews, but we did not actively participate. They were just there to answer any questions candidates had about Crossroads House itself, Finn said. Ford is taking over for interim supervisor Debbie Payne. Payne had replaced Stabell as interim supervisor, Finn said. The last executive director was Charlotte Crawford. The board is very excited about having Tracy come on board, Finn said. A soul food brunch. Brian Quinn, Batavia. Three local people put together a new event to celebrate Black History Month that may be back next year. Tuesday's soul food brunch. The brunch took place at Go Art. 
The original site was going to be the recovery station on Clinton Street Road, but the location was switched because the recovery station's kitchen was not available for preparing the meal. While helping with bringing the food out Tuesday morning, recovery station coordinator Melissa Vineyard said she, Kenyatta Reese, and Sheila Roll-Smith met a couple of times about a month ago. We planned out the menu together, collaborating on what each person's favorite thing to cook was, being soul food based because it's Black History Month, she said. We have fried chicken, waffles, beans and greens, shrimp and grits, scrambled eggs, and mac and cheese. This is absolutely the first time we're doing this, and I would like to continue this. Make this our annual soul food dinner. Reese said the three of them would get together and exchange ideas and last-minute details. We actually put in a lot of work, a lot of encouraging one another, she said. I've got my mom here. Sheila's sister Velma is here. We're all here trying to pound it out. Vineyard said she plans the calendar for the recovery station. February was Black History Month. She said, we definitely wanted to have a couple of events on our calendar to represent that. We went to the Rochester Museum and Science Center at the beginning of the month to see the Underground Railroad display, and then we decided we were going to cook a big brunch and feed some people. She said folks in the community were excited about the soul food brunch. This is the first event in the area like this to bring awareness to the area for Black History Month, she said. We're actually excited to do it, and folks are excited to show up. We're highlighting black-owned businesses in Genesee County. Reese said she was hopeful that there would be a good turnout, but added, with the change of venue, I wasn't sure if people would follow through. I'm actually super excited about it. I am so ready to bring some diversity and awareness to the area, the workplace, and the community, she said. We just need to do that. We need to come together in a peaceful way over a meal. The businesses and or organizations highlighted, included in a brochure about the brunch, were JB Beauty, Royals Barbershop, Lavria's Pressure Washing, It's Moves World, Just King's Community Advocates, Western New York Pressure Wash, Music Entertainment and Barber, The Kitchen Catering, Made by TZ, T-Shirts Etc., The Lion's Den, Perfect Peace LLC, Tilo's Salt, Auto Detailer, Data Brilliant Software, and It's Luxury Sweets and Treats. Brandon Armstrong, owner of Royals Barbershop, 317 Ellicott Street, said he planned to share a Black History Month fact about the Moors. He said he could also talk about Royals Barbershop as part of Tuesday's event if needed. We're the only black-owned barbershop in Genesee County, Armstrong said. In the next few weeks, we're going to be adding some women who do braids, dreads, different types of women's hair. Right now, it's Armstrong and two other barbers, he said. T-Shirts Etc. owner Brian Kemp said he was at Tuesday's Black History Month event for a meal and to support his heritage. He said he might speak as part of the brunch. We've just got to support the community and the culture. We need more culture in Batavia, he said. My reason for being here is to just help out culture in the town and show that these are people in town that are being successful and as a role model. Title Town, Alex Brasky, Rochester. Everyone remembers their first. Batavia Notre Dame United will never forget Monday night. The merged program claimed its first sectional championship since coming together just three seasons ago as number one United took down number three Webster, Thomas, three to two in overtime in the section five class B final. With the game tied at two to begin the extra sessions, Batavia Notre Dame's Joe DeRizio collected a rebound and pushed the game-winning goal past WT goaltender Michael Nappy, four minute one second into overtime. I'm so proud of the kids. 
said Batavia Notre Dame head coach Mark Staley after his team's emotional win. Shout out to Webster Thomas. We had a rebound goal go in in overtime. That's how close these games are. Really proud of these kids for getting it done. Brennan Peterson lit the lamp for United, scoring the game's first goal to help Batavia Notre Dame claim the early lead at 1-0 with 7.04 remaining in the first period. United added to its lead in the second, increasing the advantage to 2-0 with 11.35 to go in the stands on a tally from Ivan Milovadov. Webster Thomas tightened things up before the second was through. Cameron Hall found the back of the net with 4.16 to go in the period to cut the Titans' deficit to 2-1, where it would stand entering the third. To begin the third, United locked down the defensive zone before Thomas evened the score at two apiece, as Ryan Goal scored with 3.38 remaining in the stanza to help send the game to overtime. In the extra session, DeRizio sent the United faithful into a frenzy with his game winner. Unbelievable, said DeRizio, reflecting on his game-winning tally. I don't think there is any feeling close to this. Milovadov was honored as tournament most valuable player after scoring seven goals and adding two assists throughout United's trek to the title. It's the junior forward's first season playing with the Batavia Notre Dame program. This means we have some more games coming up, said Milovadov, already looking ahead to his team's upcoming match in the state tournament. We've just got to keep pushing. Batavia Notre Dame advances to take on Section 6 small school champion Kenmore East in the first round of the New York State Public High School Athletic Association Tournament at RIT. Puck drop is scheduled for noon. We've got yoga tomorrow and video, and then we're back on the ice the rest of the week, said Staley, looking ahead to this weekend. We'll be right back here in this building on Saturday. The winner of Saturday's game will head to the state semifinal at Harbor Center next weekend. That game was back and forth the whole way, said junior forward Jamison Marka, so to come out on top is a great feeling. Stressed out? Kelly Webster, UR Medicine. New year, new me. That's the idea behind many resolutions, but we all know it's not so easy. The pressures of life don't disappear when the calendar turns over, and trying to stick to difficult resolutions can even add to our stress levels. Two experts from UR Medical Center offer some practical solutions to feeling stressed. Dr. Michael Mick Krasner, Professor Emeritus of Medicine at UR Medicine, coaches health care providers in mindful practice. Jennifer Lee is the lead lifestyle counselor with URMC's Center for Community Health and Prevention. They shared ways to think about stress differently and to calm yourself in difficult moments. First of all, we can change the way we talk about and view stress. Because it's an uncomfortable feeling, people often say, I need to get rid of this, which can make us feel like we're doing something wrong. But stress is actually the body's way of protecting us from danger. The problem is, our bodies don't distinguish between real versus imagined stress, between something like facing a venomous snake in front of you versus a thought in your mind, like self-criticism or recalling an embarrassing moment. So instead of needing to fix it, look at stress with curiosity and compassion for yourself. Learning to recognize stress and react to it with empathy when it's just an imagined danger will build your resilience. Over time, your body will learn to react more calmly to triggers because the stress won't seem so threatening anymore. Stress happens when we're faced with a situation that feels threatening, either to our bodies or to our sense of well-being. And people with mental health conditions tend to create even more stress for themselves. When our mind perceives a threat, real or imagined, it initiates the stress response, which is also known as fight, flight, or freeze. This is your body physiologically getting ready to either run away, defend itself, or turn inward to become small or unnoticeable. During this time, your blood flow is redirected to organs that need it the most, 
your brain, heart, and lungs. That's why you feel a rapid heart rate or experience faster breathing. That physical response evolved so we could stay alive when facing that venomous snake. But many of us are reacting to imaginary danger instead. So our body is ready for action, but there's no actual fight or need to run. We're left with stress as an uncomfortable feeling if we don't look at it in a new way. According to research from University of Rochester psychologists, reevaluating how one perceives stress can make a big difference to a person's mental health, well-being, and success. Here are some tips to calm your body and mind when stress is overwhelming you. STOP. This acronym can help in those in-the-moment stresses. S equals stop. Take a literal or figurative pause in what you're doing. T equals take a breath, a good deep one. O equals observe. What's going on? How am I feeling? Assess the situation with logic. P equals proceed. Let go of the emotion you've been feeling and focus on moving forward. Breathe in for four seconds. Hold for four seconds. Breathe out for four seconds. Hold that for four seconds before breathing in again. Repeat several times until you feel calm. You can imagine drawing a box with each four-second step. When stressed, the body's response is to shorten your breath. Box breathing invites your nervous system to calm down. When your mind focuses on the physical senses, you're less likely to let your emotions get carried away or feel distressed. Pop an ice cube in your mouth or run one over your cheeks, forehead, or back of your neck. Name five things you can see, four things you can touch, three things you can hear, two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste. Working your way through your body, tense a specific muscle group for five seconds, then release it. Your feet, your calves, your thighs, moving up through your body, etc. Saying phrases, either out loud or in your head, that are self-compassionate, this helps you physically and mentally by acknowledging your feelings. But rather than wishing them away, you can sit with the message that your experience is not wrong. Say, what I am feeling is not wrong, I'm doing my best, my imperfections make me human, I can handle discomfort, nobody is perfect all the time, I'm worthy of forgiveness and understanding. When we experience stress, recognize it, and then choose to respond by connecting with others. Our body releases the hormone oxytocin, nicknamed the cuddle hormone or love hormone. It reinforces this urge to connect with other people, what some call the tend and befriend part of our stress response. A sense of belonging leads to psychological safety. Find creative ways to be with people, religious groups, sports, shopping, cafes, libraries, meetup groups, or even online communities. Learning to recognize stress and react to it with empathy when it's just an imagined danger will build your resistance. Batavia Man marks another leap year birthday. Brian Quinn, Batavia. If you see Brian Bentley today, be sure to wish him a happy 28th birthday, or a happy 7th, depending on how you look at it. Brian Bentley of Batavia is one of those who was born February 29th in Brian's case, in 1996. His mother, Terry Bentley of Barry Center, said the Bentleys plan to celebrate next week at the Bentleys' home in Barry Center. We're getting together next week when everyone can get there. We're not planning on doing anything for today, Terry Bentley said. Brian Bentley said it's still pretty cool having a leap year birthday. It happens only once every four years, he said. As to when his birthday falls during a non-leap year, Brian Bentley has a choice. I usually tell them that if it's a weekend, that's the day I choose, he said. Brian Bentley, who now works at Milton Cat on Saley Drive, is active with the town of Batavia Fire Department, his mother says. He said he still gets a lot of attention for having a leap year birthday. He enjoys the attention from friends and family. He still loves it, Terry Bentley said. We even break it down into quarters. Last year would have been his six and three quarters 
quarter's birthday. They say, oh, you don't have a birthday. We don't need to celebrate. They ask him a lot of times, how old are you? They joke around with me. When I went and got my license when I was 16, they were like, you can't get your driver's license. You're only four years old. It never gets old. I have a good sense of humor, he said. Terry Bentley said when Brian was young, he and others with February 29th birthdays were included in articles on leap year birthdays. Next week, the Bentley family, including Jerry and Terry Bentley and Brian's sister Kara Smith of Barry Center, will gather for cake and gifts to celebrate his birthday. They usually cook me my favorite meal or we go out to dinner, Brian Bentley said. I like steak and mashed potatoes. Brian Bentley said as of late Wednesday, he hadn't really gotten any cards or texts wishing him a happy birthday. He said there was a chance some would arrive that day. Batavia students get footloose. Brian Quinn, Batavia. The Batavia High School Production Club almost didn't put footloose on the schedule for this weekend. Director Karen Wood said the idea for this weekend's musical came from the students. I didn't want to do Footloose, she admitted this week. There were a few students that suggested it. I grew up and knew the movie and loved the movie. I didn't know if it would be a good fit for our club. When students made the suggestion, Wood said she looked into it. It wasn't until that point that I thought it really would fit our kids, she said. It was not at all a suggestion that I came up with. It was the spark from the students. Anytime you choose a show, you have to look at who the lead characters are, she said. Did you have options for all the lead characters? I obviously wouldn't want to pick a show that I didn't feel that we had the right people to fill the roles, Wood said. The story talks about forgiveness. In the story of Footloose, the town is supposedly healing from a tragedy, from a car crash that killed four of its young students five years previous to the setting of the musical. A new student from Chicago helps the town realize that perhaps it hasn't healed from the crash. They heal through dance, through music and community, Wood said. I just think the message is a powerful one. I think that art and music is a tremendously powerful healing mechanism. The show will begin at 7 p.m. Friday and Saturday and 2 p.m. Sunday at the Frank E. Owen Auditorium. OA Musical Returns to Oz, Brian Quinn, Oakfield. Lions and Tigers and Bears, oh my. Those who come to this weekend's production of The Wizard of Oz will follow the Yellow Brick Road with Dorothy Gale and her friends. The Oakfield, Alabama Drama Club will perform at 7 p.m. Friday and Saturday and 2 p.m. Sunday. Tickets are $10 for adults, $8 for students, and children under age 5 are free. Among the lead roles, junior Kara Williams plays Dorothy Gale, freshman Allison Williams plays Zeke the farmhand who becomes the cowardly lion in Dorothy's dream, sophomore Amora Maybon plays farmhand Hickory the tin man, and sophomore Emily Spielman plays farmhand Hunk the scarecrow. There's a lot of hidden jokes that if you really listen close, it's pretty funny, Maybon said. Toto will be played by a dog named Tallulah, one of the senior's dogs. The four of them were thrilled to have the dog in the show. Believe it or not, we did have dog auditions, Allison Williams said. It's hard to be a dog and be in a musical. Of the music in this weekend's show, Maybon said, there's only one song that isn't from the movie. It was cut from the movie, but it was supposed to be in there, which is the biggest dance number, the jitterbug. Bergman said there are 32 students in the cast, 10 more on the background crew, and two in the band. We have all females playing the six leads, which has been fun to see them interact with each other and play off each other, she said. The musical is very close to the movie. There is an exception in that the Jitterbug song has been included in the stage musical. It is a great dance number and has a catchy tune. I am not sure why it wasn't included in the movie. You've been listening to a reading of articles and features from the February 27th through 29th issues of the Batavia Daily News. Your reader has been Chris. Thank you for listening, and happy Leap Day!